The Discover College Soccer Podcast is sponsored by VO. VO is the number one AI camera solution helping players capture college recruitment videos. Check out their new starter and family options by clicking on the link in the description or visit Discover College Soccer to learn more. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Discover College Soccer. Today, I'm lucky enough to be joined by Coach Steven from Cortland up in New York. Welcome, Coach. Thanks. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for being here. You guys, congrats. We're talking end, end of November, but a heck of a season. Made it all the way to the third round of the NCAA Division Three Men's Soccer Tournament, so congrats on that. Um, I, I know you you wish it, it hadn't ended there, but I'm guessing you're turning your eyes to the class of 24 and hitting the recruiting trail hard at this point, right? Yeah, for sure. It's actually, I mean, it's funny timing that, you know, you, you kind of end your season on a on a weekend and then here comes Thanksgiving and then all of a sudden you're like, all right, let's build the next team. So, well, and, and talk to me about that. I'm guessing, you know, d the timeline for men's division three, uh, as we've heard from, from a bunch of coaches, I'm sure it's similar for you. You're, you're pretty much focused on the class of 24 right now, kind of nine months ahead, right? Are you looking at any 25s? What, what is that calendar like for you when you plan on closing the class, that sort of thing? Yeah, we're actually interesting. So I would say being a high level D3, you, you do get some kids that want to be organized and ahead of the curve. So it's funny, we kind of work on like a class and a half almost, you know, the kids that want to be advanced and want to be organized, we'll work with them and we don't want to delay their process. Um, so we actually have one kid committed for 25 already. Um, but most of our focus, like you said, is on 24s uh, and then transfers. We're a big transfer school. Uh, we've kind of made our hay with that in the last five or six years. And obviously the explosion of the portal has, I don't know, helped in some, some regards. It's, it's kind of a double-edged sword there, but, um, so yeah, I would say right now we're probably just firming up the 24s, um, you know, going to watch kids one last time, you know, doing an extra eval on them. Um, just trying to probably be done by the new year with 24s. Wow. Okay. So you guys will be done that early. Okay. Well, you, you mentioned the, the portal. Like, I, I mean, are you are you mostly looking for at the portal, or, or do you have junior college kids that come in as well? Kind of what what makes you say, you know what? Yeah, I want to look at the portal versus you know bring in a brand new freshman. Yes, we've actually so we our kind of model, and not by design when it started, um, but just kind of by default now is. Like usually half of our class is transfers and half of them are true freshmen. And so, you know, we have enough of those kind of flagship kids that are going to carry that four-year process, um, you know, and keep our culture going. And then we pair it and try and plug in some kids with maybe some holes that we need, um, you know, in terms of level uh, to kind of keep our success going and, and be consistent. We don't get a lot of junior college transfers. Um for, for one reason or another, you know, being in New York, it's, um, it's all division three for the most part, you know, there's a few division one junior colleges, but it's mostly division three. Um, and then, you know, the level kind of has to match. I'm really hesitant on bringing in a junior that's not going to play. And so, you know, one of my philosophies is, you know, if you're going to go find your next school and you only have two years left, like, why would I bring you in just to sit on the bench? And it's not fair to the kid. And, you know, it's not what they're looking for. So, we try and be really cautious with the junior college kids and make sure that it's a really perfect fit um, and, and be pretty sure that they're going to be on the field for us. So for the most part, it's division one transfers that want to maybe take a step down, uh, went somewhere, weren't happy, weren't playing, you know, whatever the reasons uh, and just kind of want to find that next new home. Okay. 
Well, when you're looking for the, I guess we'll call it the traditional recruit uh, in terms of timing, what are some of the, the tournaments? I know this is, a, at least on the girls' side, this upcoming weekend's massive with a GA event and the rally event. And so on the guys' side, what are some of the main tournaments you like to go to to, to local players? Yeah, the rally event's great. Um, you know, that one's kind of our marquee one once our season wraps up that we look to go to. Uh, there's a smaller one in New York, uh, the Massapequa Showcase. Uh, it's on Long Island. Usually one of our assistants will go down to that. Um, you know, we, we get a lot of downstate kids. And so you tend to find a lot of kids that are, you know, on Long Island teams and whatnot playing on that. Um, and then that's really it for us until probably Jeff Cup. Um, so right now, Jeff Cup tries to start for us at least uh, that next recruiting class. Uh, and then the last couple here, you know, in the month of December, we try and finish up those 24s. Okay. That makes sense. Well, you've, uh, in terms of building your roster, you talked a little bit about, you know, the classes went up, but what about size? Is there, is there a roster size that, that you like to be at each, each year? We fluctuate. Um, I'd say actually coming out of COVID, we were really heavy. We had a ton of kids. So um, and I'm sure a lot of coaches were in the same boat. We recruited a normal class and then kept all of our kids that could play an extra year. And so we actually grew up both ends. Uh, we ended up with like 44 kids. Um, and so I met with my boss right after COVID and just neither of us were real comfortable on just cutting down 15 kids, uh, especially the ones that had jumped through the right hoops and done all the right things during COVID and, and did what they were asked. Uh, so we actually added kind of like a JV slate of games, a reserve team. Um, so we did that for two years. It wasn't a long-term solution, but that was kind of our short term. Like, let's try and uh, manage our roster size that way. It worked great. Um, you know, a few hiccups here and there, which were expected, but for the most part, it it did the job that it needed to do. Uh, so we were happy with that. And then now this past fall uh, was the first one without a slate of those games. And we were down to 34. Usually we're right around 30. You know, if we go up to 34, that's manageable. That's no problem. Um, but I think in the next couple of years, as those fifth-year kids still see themselves out the door, we'll probably be a little bit heavier, like right around that 34 number. Okay. Well, do you guys do your own ID camps or do your staff work other camps? How do camps fit into your recruiting process? We do. Yeah, we've got a big one here um, that we run and, and manage. It's called NYID. Uh, we get roughly 300 kids um on a residential camp we get like 30 to 40 other colleges and it's it's kind of like take a big division one model you know id camp um uh, but it's for d3 you know and so we it's usually like just all of the d3 um coaches around the state come and work the camp and it's great so it's kids that you know maybe want to reach towards us and you know Binghamton comes and maybe some of those other smaller division ones around the state uh those mid-majors and you know they want to reach for us they want to reach for them uh, but realistically, they find a good home with somebody that's at the camp. So it's, it's been a good model. We started that probably in 2016, uh, and that's been rocking ever since. So uh, we use that quite a bit. Um, I think each year, you know, there's three or four kids that um, we're pretty intentional about wanting to come to camp, and we see them there, and we get to really have that kind of intimate experience with them and get to know them as a kid, uh, and then eventually they commit. So I would say probably half of our true freshmen come from camp. Okay, that's awesome. Well, whether it's camp or tournament or transfer or anything, kind of what makes up the hierarchy of things that you're looking for in a player, both on the field and off the field? So um, 
I would say, you know, one of my strengths and our program strength is culture. And so I think um, two things. One, I think we, we can take a chance on kids that are a really good player because I know that in our culture, um, you know, the right and wrong and how we do things are going to like develop kids into that. And so we're great at assimilating kids into our culture. Um, I'm not one that sits here and says, you know, you have to fit our culture first or we don't bring you in. Um, I do think we do a great job and we're so intentional about what we do uh, in season and in the off season that um, we can help kids that maybe are a little bit rough around the edges, but are really good players. Um, we can kind of transform kind of who they are a little bit uh, as people. Um, so that's number one. We got to look at, you know, kids that just fit the level first. And then if it's kind of apples to apples and we're weighing kids out and then we kind of do a much deeper dive and, you know, who are they and what are they going to bring to the table and what does that look like? So. Okay. Well, let's shift gears, talk a little bit about the school. You've got a unique perspective, I think, having been a player, coach, assistant coach, head coach, you've been there pretty much the last 15 years of your life. So That's right. I can't think of anybody better to ask. Uh, so tell us some things about Cortland, maybe some great things that we would know just by even going through the website. Yeah. Um, so I, I think it's a perfect size school for kids that, you know, don't want a small school, don't want a big one. Uh, we're kind of right in the middle it's big enough where you're going to meet new people every day, uh, small enough where you're going to see the same kids walk into class once in a while. Uh, and there's that familiarity. So I think just campus culture, campus community is really great. Um, we're a small town in upstate New York. And so, I mean, it's very college driven. It's definitely a college town. Uh, bars, restaurants, things like that. There's a lot to do in town. Uh, it's a really fun school. Uh, that's one of the things that we have to try and uh turn kids away from a little bit on the soccer side of things, especially in season. It's, it's a really fun school. Um, but that being said, you know, in the off season and when they do have time, it's a really fun place to go to school. Um, it's a great little college community. Uh, we're a big athletic department for division three. We've got 25 sports, a uh, ton of success. And so, you know, I think we've got somewhere around like 800 varsity athletes here on campus. Um, so it's about a 10th, maybe a little bit more than a 10th of the population. Uh, and there's a ton of success spread around. Um, and I think that's one of our strengths, not just on men's soccer, but in general, you know, kids that come here, you're surrounded by like-minded kind of type A kids that are really successful and going after it, no matter what sport they're in. Uh, for example, like our, our fall, we had, you know, men's soccer, women's soccer, volleyball, field hockey, and football, all five of our team sports uh, were first in their league, won the conference tournament, won the NCAA tournament. Um, so there's just a lot of success and it's fun. Um you know, I always tell kids like in the recruiting process, you know, what's your mood like when you lose a game, right? Like on the drive home, you're like, oh, it sucks. It's miserable. I'm like, yeah, like you don't have that a lot here <laughs> with, you know, yourself, but all your other colleagues that are your peers that are playing college sports, you know, it's winning is fun. And so there's a really fun environment around our athletic department. Um, it's really competitive. Kids really go after it. And so that's a good thing. Uh, what else about Corlin? I think we're We've got a few marquee majors that um, set kids up just as well as some big universities. Um, you know, kind of some of those rankings and, and the internships and kind of some of those profiles of those programs really set kids up great. Um, we're kind of lucky because I think we have a lot of majors that guys want uh, in the recruiting process. And I can't speak to the girls recruiting process much, but I know that, you know, guys, we have the, you know, exercise science and we have the business and we have sports management and we have, you know, kind of all of those. Um, and so those tend to be some, some hot topics for kids coming out. And then in general, I just think, um, 
I think the best stat to use is that there's a lot of kids that transfer in and there's almost no kids that transfer out. Um, and so that to me tells me that, you know, the school is doing right by the kids. The school is doing a really good job. Uh, our athletics department, just as a whole, we have very, very few kids transfer, if any, per year uh, transfer out. And so for the most part, you know, that kind of lets me know that stat is people are doing right by kids and people are doing it the right way. And, you know, it's a good place to be. It's a place that kids don't want to leave. Um, and so we can kind of hang our hat on that and take some pride in that too. Awesome. Well, you know, people see Cortland, but then it's SUNY Cortland, right? You got the State University of New York moniker there. So yeah. what in what are what are some of the benefits? Because I know that's a very large state system of colleges. You know, what are some of the benefits of being part of that? Is it is it cheaper for folks than than maybe one of those northeast traditional northeastern division threes and that sort of thing? Can you talk to me a little bit about that? Yeah, much cheaper, much cheaper. Um, and actually, like a lot of our out-of-state prices now are really great. Like we can beat uh, most private schools, even with our out-of-state packages now uh, in terms of what kids are getting. So our roster, and and I don't know what's changed in terms of our department here uh, with admissions and financial aid, but I know that they're packaging out-of-state kids really well. Um, our roster has gotten much more regional, if not national, uh, since covid and so, you know, kids, I think, are – kids look at the rankings, you know, and that helps. That certainly helps. So on the soccer thing, you know, they look, oh, top 10, and, you know, they just – they email everybody that's in the top 20, right, like those type of kids. Um, so that's number one. We're attractive because of that. But I think also, you know, when it comes down to it, their price, uh, we've had kids decide to come here, even if they're out of state, uh, because their price tag is cheaper and they're weighing, you know, kind of those apples to apples and, you know – all things considered, uh, if your price is five, six grand lower, then that might be the tipping point. So uh, price tag here is really, I would say, very affordable for a Northeast Division three school, for sure. Okay. Well, on the academic side, um, you know, sometimes it's hard for kids to, to balance, you know, the demands of their sport, especially, a, a, you know, a top program like you guys and, and going an extra month kind of. And, you know, so how do your athletes really balance the demands of the classroom and the soccer field and what kind of support systems does a school offer to really help them succeed in both? Yeah. So uh, there's kind of two pathways. So um, the school has, you know, uh, really kind of intricate uh, academic support just for all students. Um, and I think they do a good job in general, but then on just the athlete side, uh, we've got a full-time guy who uh, just works with athletes is kind of like their academic coordinator. So anybody that's, you know, got some red flags or anybody that even just wants help, wants to be better than uh, even if they have a three, five and they want a three, eight, right? Like those type of kids. Uh, there's someone that's kind of full-time dedicated to those athletes. Uh, and they're kind of a, a liaison between the athlete and upper campus and that tutoring center and getting them the help that they need. And then also on our team, um, we, we're very much a micromanaging staff when you're young, uh, until you've proven that you can do it on your own. And so, you know, kids will have three to four study halls per week, um, and check in and make sure that they're doing their work and they've got individual meetings, uh, especially our freshmen once a week, you know, show us all your grades, show us your, you know, your book, what do you got? What's your schedule look like? You know, when are you studying? Um, so we micromanage, uh, I would say more than most for our younger kids until they really kind of prove that uh, they've got the tools to do it. And the goal is for them not to need that. Right. And so, 
you know, I tell them in the recruiting process that, you know, your goal when you come here is to prove me, to prove to us as a staff that you don't need us, right, academically. And that should be your first mission here, right, is what's your schedule look like? And like, you got to be on point with all this stuff. And if you can do that really consistently throughout your first semester, then we'll kind of let you go, right? And we'll let you have a lot more freedom with your own time. Uh, and then if you ever hit some bumps in the road, we'll rein it back in and we'll get you back in here and get you the help that you need. So um, we do get, you know, I mean, we're not a, we're not a nest cack, you know, and so not all of our kids are super type A driven academic kids. Um, and so most of the time we'll get a few kids that do need that help and need that support and benefit from it. Uh, but for the most part, we do get a lot of good kids too that prove us wrong and say, you know, thanks for helping us jump through those hoops and we don't need you anymore. And they just off they go and they do it themselves. Okay. Awesome. Well, let's imagine we're kind of uh, in the middle of the conference schedule uh, back in October, kind of walk me through what a typical week looks like for a player in terms of winter practices, classes, meals, games, all that kind of stuff. What's a normal week look like for them? Yeah. So conference for us, Wednesday, Saturday schedule. So games are then, uh, Sundays are days off. And so, uh, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, uh, during the week are study halls for kids in the evening. Uh, we practice from two to four, uh, in the afternoon. So most of our kids will wake up, um, kind of get like an early morning lift in on like a Monday or Tuesday, early in the week go to class, uh, get some lunch, get ready, go out to training. And then that's when kind of schedules diverge a little bit. Uh, kids can take night classes. Um, anybody that missed lifts, there's open hours in the in the afternoon that they can go get after training. Uh, and then they've got study halls in those evenings uh, that are younger kids. Games are on Wednesdays. Um, so they'll just go to class up until, you know, locker room time on game day. Uh, game day again on Saturday. You know, if we're traveling, um, I mean, most of our conference is, is pretty tight. And so, you know, furthest that we go, I think our very furthest, like five hours, that'll be an overnight trip. Uh, but for the most part, they're like two to three hour trips, pretty easy day trips. Um, and then Sunday, we'll have an extra study hall um, for kids that either had like a night class and had to miss one, or it's kind of like an opt-in study hall on Sundays on their day off. Okay. Well, let's shift talk a little bit more about the the team and the soccer side of things. I mean, you, we already talked about your roster size and you've mentioned your staff a couple of times. So talk to me a little bit more about your staff. How many do you have? What role does everybody play? Are there other kind of support staff that the athletic department uh, has that work specifically with your team, that sort of thing? Yeah. So uh, we'll kind of start uh, our first assistant. Um, he's full time. So he's in, in the office with me every day. Um, and he's also kind of like our camps director. So it's kind of his role. Uh, mostly he does, uh, freshman recruiting or, or that kind of normal recruiting process. Um, he does video breakdown. Um, and then, yeah, like once season's done kind of shifts into camp kind of halftime and, and make sure that we're trying to attract kids to that. Um, he manages like all of our incoming emails, you know, and kind of like sifts through those of kids that we need to go see and what's that schedule look like. So he kind of manages all of that. Our second assistant, um, this is his second year. I think he'll probably move on after this year. He'll be done with his master's. Um, a lot of video breakdown, a lot of individual coaching. Um, he'll go out and like do a lot of one-on-ones with guys, things, you know, guys that want to clean up some parts technically. Um, he's kind of like a very much like an on-field coach 
from an individual standpoint and does a lot of video with guys. Uh, he'll also take care of a lot of the travel meals, things like that. Um, we've got a goalkeeper coach. So he works with both our men's and women's programs here at the school. Um, our women's team trains in the morning from eight to 10. So he's out there with them from eight to 10. Then he comes in here into the office and kind of has like a midday shift of work in the office, whatever needs to get done. And then he's out with us on the field two to four with our goalkeepers. Uh, we've got a, a volunteer assistant, student assistant that just helps with anything that comes up, um, you know, equipment, things that just pop up. Uh, he's usually the guy that's uh, having guys check into study hall and kind of managing study halls and does a lot of that. Um, and then again, I'd say the other one that's like probably pretty integral uh, within our program that our guys know intimately is the academic coordinator. Um, and, and that's not someone that's full time with all of our guys, uh, but that's more of a when they need it or when we say, hey, we've got a really busy week. Um, why don't you just go see him, make sure everything looks good or, you know, make sure you're all set for upcoming tests. So he's kind of like a pop in, pop out uh, in both semesters for our guys. But uh, I would say 75% of our guys use him pretty consistently throughout the year. Okay. Awesome. Well, now I got to ask about you. Okay. Uh, how would you describe kind of your style of coaching and then the style of play you're trying to implement there? Uh, very, I'm a pragmatic coach, so I don't, I'm not in love with a style, um, which I think probably fits college soccer better than it does any other brand of soccer. Um, basically like our style is we just take all the best players we can get. And then in August we figure out, you know, who's who and what's that look like and how are we going to win games with the group that we have? And so, uh, each year, I mean, we may play a different formation. We may play a different style, um, yeah. So I would say very pragmatic just in our approach of, you know, what is going to work and what's not. And here's why we're going to do things um, and kind of troubleshooting on the fly. Um, I'm huge into like the culture and just like the team chemistry, body language, all of that. I would say if I'm going to like have a real eye for anything, it's that kind of nuance of a team. Just that social dynamic. Um making sure our younger players are welcomed and integrated and um feel like they have a role, you know, I don't want anybody to show up to training and feel like, what's the point? You know, I think that's just, it's not good for the kid. It's not good for the team. Um, you know, if that's the case, then I think we as a staff have to look at it and say, well, why is he here? Right? Like, why did we recruit that player if they're showing up every day and they feel like, what's the point? What's my role? Um, so I'm really big on that, just that kind of culture and uh, nuance of a team, making sure that everybody feels like they play a pretty integral part, whether they're on the field or not. Um, I would say I definitely default towards um, pushing hard in the early parts of the season and then really backing off uh, and kind of defaulting more towards rest and recovery in the later parts of the season. Uh, college soccer is a grind. There's just too many games and not enough time. And so um, my background is in exercise science. Um, and so I think that's pretty useful in terms of trying to manage teams and uh, mitigating injuries and making sure guys are restful and ready to go on game day. Uh, we do a lot of, I'd say like uh, self-answering type of apps and questions of, you know, fatigue and stress and soreness and sleep and all that type of stuff. So we look at that type of stuff daily, um, you know, from just a mental standpoint and a physical standpoint and, you know, making sure that we have, 
I guess, a product on the field that's ready to play. So I'm very mindful of that. Um, I would say our style of play is competitive. So um, while I'm pragmatic, I'm also like, I'm not overly emotional at all. I'm pretty like cut and dry. And you can ask my wife that too. It's probably her biggest critique of me. Um, but very much like, a, I don't know if you're not playing as well as the other kid, like that kid's in, you know, like there's no favorites, there's no nothing. And um, so training gets really competitive. I mean, we'll freeze it on the spot and say, you switch pennies, you're not playing well today. You know, like, and so guys, I think they just, they come to training ready to compete. And um, it does two things. It keeps our top guys sharp. You know, you can't really have an off day. And then it keeps our bottom guys, I think, eager because they know there's actually a pathway into the starting 11 our starting 11 changes quite often. Um, you know, there's probably the few four to five staple guys, marquee guys that don't ever leave it. Uh, and then the rest of it's kind of a revolving door of, you know, who's in good form. And so I think that helps us later on during the year. Um, you know, we're, I would say we're a pretty deep team. We can sub, you know, 16, 17, 18 guys deep and still keep to the same level. So I think that comes from our training of just, you know, not really having favorites and not thinking that one player is better than another just because of their name. Um, it's just pretty cut and dry, not a lot of emotion, a pretty pragmatic approach to it. Uh, but I think it it keeps guys hungry and it keeps our younger guys hopeful that there's light at the end of the tunnel. Awesome. Well, coach, I appreciate the time. I like to end these uh, with one last question. And that's if you had one piece of advice, one nugget of info that you would hope that every parent, player, family going through this college recruiting process knew, what would that be? I'd say for boys coming out, um, I would say ego is the enemy. Uh, and, to, you know, especially now with you got fifth year kids and you got the transfer portal and you got a lot going on, you know, you're not just competing against kids your age anymore. And so what you think is a good fit in your dream school, um, you know, and I want to be careful. I don't want to just burst everybody's balloons. Um, but, you know, I think taking a realistic approach and trying to drop the ego out of the recruiting process helps boys more than it does, you know, hurts. So um, when they go through, I think they have to realize that, you know, the school that they want to play at, they probably can't play at, right? And and so when you're a freshman and sophomore, especially 14, 15-year-old as a boy, um, you have to think, you know, whatever that school is that you're thinking of, Wake Forest, right? Like I wanted to play at UNC and that never happened. Um, but you have to like get ready to come down to reality quicker than the kids around you, because that's going to be when you find your magic and you find your home. And the longer it takes you to come down to reality, the later in the process you start with other schools and maybe now it's too late, right? And you, you end up kind of missing out on opportunities because you're still head in the clouds and other kids came down to reality a little bit quicker and started to make those connections, started to talk to those coaches. Um, you know, for us, it's that like D1, D3 thing. Um, you know, most of the kids that want to go Division One and think that they're a Division One player at 15 are probably going to end up being a good fit for us, right? The ones that uh, are right on that crux of, you know, could I go there and sit on a, sit on a bench for four years or could I come here and, and play and have a really good career? Um, but the kids that figure that out the quickest are the ones that, you know, respond to emails from us, come and take visits, come and actually give it a chance. And then they realize, wow, this is, you know, this is actually a great fit. Um, so I would say for boys, get your head out of the clouds earlier than your friends and your peers. Uh, and that usually will will head you under the right timeline. 
Awesome. Well, coach, really appreciate the time. Wish you the, the best of luck here, closing out your recruiting class and, uh, and hopefully you'll get back to that tournament next year. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Thanks for the time. Thank you. Hi, everybody. It's Matt from Discover College Soccer. I hope you're enjoying the podcast, whether that's on YouTube or your favorite podcast platform. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button. I also wanted to let you know about the Discover College Soccer Study Table. This is our brand new online portal that is complete with a 14-part online course giving you all of the ins and outs of the college soccer recruiting process. There's also a wealth of resources such as checklists, templates. There's the spreadsheets that have every soccer program in the country along with their coaches, their contact information, their social media information, uh, some basic stats about the school and more. Plus there's an online community where you can ask your questions, share your wins, your losses, any questions that you may have around the college soccer recruiting process. It's all there at the Discover College Soccer study table that you can find at discovercollegesoccer.com slash study table and hopefully we will see you there.